we're gonna go. Welcome to Detroit Strange. Hey, that's us. It is. Yay! <laughs> Welcome. I love how every time we've—I feel like the past couple episodes we started me just like going off at the welcome and then you're just like oh yeah here we're going <laughs> well because sometimes i forget we because we talk which well, I, I like talking I'm the before one who hits the record button so i'm the one who knows when it's because like usually you're like oh wait a recording now I'm like yeah yeah that's true sometimes you're very it's not that you're stealthy. trying to be sneaky yes stealthy is a good word because you're not trying to be sneaky sometimes I am. it just oh oh yeah. the truth comes out yes i see i yeah. see mm. well mr sneaky stealthy I don't know what that means. That was terrible. That was terrible. So how was your weekend? You went to Theater Bazaar, right? I did go to Theater Bazaar. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I did get very sleepy, though, because I am old. And I wanted to sleep everywhere by the end of the night, which was super embarrassing. But the parts I was awake for, a blast. Ooh. Yes. I can relate to that. I think I went to bed at like 1130 on Saturday because I was like, I was watching, I was trying to watch my third movie of the day and just. Zonked out. Yeah. Which is a bummer because it was a Jennifer Aniston movie and I wanted to go back and watch it now. Oh, well, I mean, ooh, I just hit it myself It was like the her and not a terrible rom-com. Well, it still exists. So you can still go watch it. I know. It was it's on Hulu. I could, I could literally watch it. Well, they, that's awesome then. Yeah. Um, and, but your fortune cost, your fortune teller costume is really cool. Yeah, I'm really excited. I kind of came together at the last minute. Uh, I think those are sometimes the best costumes. And my my wonderful friend Wendy, shout out to Wendy by the way because she does listen. Um, she she was so she's such a sweet person. She's a goddamn delight. She really is. I love her. And she she didn't want to um, like overwhelm me asking me if I was like ready to go and stuff. And the last minute I was like, I have a costume. I've got my ticket. She was like, oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Like, I didn't want to bug you about it, but I didn't know you were going to like, I didn't know if you're going to get it together. And I was like, no, I did. I did it. Um, but she liked my costume yes. too. So I feel, I feel like I had this year, the most, uh, theater bizarre kind of costume out of all three years. Uh-huh. Like the other two years I've, I've put stuff together that was like appropriate, but this year I was like the most appropriate. Oh, um, cause it, yeah. So it was fun. And usually I don't want to reuse a costume, but I might reuse this one. I'm kind of excited about it. I try and have a different one for every like party I go to. I might like reuse them year to year, but never like the same season, if that makes sense. Oh, see, I, I try not to reuse them like ever. There was a time though in college, I did go to most things as, um, a Freudian slip. Fun. Because it was just a slip from the uh you know the salvation army and i wrote a bunch of freud quotes all over it and that that was my costume that's a fun costume it was my like go-to backup costume though it wasn't like my main one it was like one time a main one and then it was just one i could keep very easily around that's Uh, how i feel about my puppet costume i like i've only seen photos of that but i like that costume it's a lot of fun i think i might do it for something that's not the party that i do that's fair. You know what I was actually thinking? Because we have on Thursday a live recording. Ooh, maybe we'll dress up for that. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want to dress up? Because that could be kind of fun. Let's do it. Yay! Which means all of you should come in or out of costume. Yeah, come to Thursday Night Live at Ant Hall this Thursday, the 24th. 24th. We're going to be doing a, a special like Halloween-themed yes, we're gonna episode. Have, you know, we're going to have spooky stories. We're going to have a guest telling spooky stories. Yeah. It's going to be a little different, but a lot of fun. Yeah. So check it out. Yeah. We'll probably tell you about it again later because we're very excited. Yes. Uh, 
So anything else uh, up with you lately? Anything you want to talk about specifically? Or That sounds like I'm fishing for something, but I'm really not. I'm just actually genuinely asking that question. I know. I'm trying to think. Like, the past, like, couple weekends have just been, like, really chill because I was, like, gone for, like, every weekend for, like, a month. Then, like, last weekend, I spent, like, all of it cleaning and doing laundry. And I, we hung out last weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we actually got this weekend, too. But yeah, did, so yeah. <laughs> it's just been some chill weekends, which is nice. Nice to recharge. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I did finally see Brittany Runs a Marathon. Oh, how was it? it for too long. So good. It was like, on the movie, I needed to see at that point. Because, like, it was a very, like, uplifting kind of movie. Awesome. Which was good. I'm very glad to hear it. Do you, um, did you, is it at Landmark? Is that? It's at the okay. Landmark. And what's nice is it is an Amazon original, so eventually it'll just be on Prime. Oh, I love that. That's what I happened have to Cold that. War, and Cold War is fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Yay. Well, I'm glad you saw that movie. I'm glad you liked it. Thank you. And I'm glad you took yourself out. Yes. Everybody should take themselves out. Exactly. I mean, like, in a fun way, not like in a punch yourself in the way, like a fight club kind of way. Like, I took myself out. I had the whole <laughs> bottle of pills. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do the happy, no. the happy one. Take yourself out on a date, not yeah. take yourself out of this world. Yeah, exactly. That one. Yeah. The first one. Yeah. Yeah. Well. What are we sipping on right now? It's delicious, but I don't know the name. Oh, I was just thinking about that. Um, it is, well, you know what? I'm going to call it a fall screwdriver. I kind of made it up between a couple things. So, honey, I love a good fall screwdriver. <laughs> Don't we all? I had to explain to my mom what, what a Samantha was. <laughs> she was like listening to the podcast. She's, my mom's been texting me because she's been catching up, and she's like, "What's a Samantha? Is that a gay thing? I don't get it." And I'm like, "It's from Sex and the City. It's fine." <laughs> oh, that's she adorable. also asked what a furry was. Then, like, I'll tell you when you're old. Oh, that's a lot of more explaining. That's a lot more than I need to unpack. Should like, I explain to her right now? No, I'll make her watch okay. the documentary or something. That's like real in depth there, but okay. <laughs> I got her a prime fire stick for her birthday well, so there you she go, can then. watch it on the Amazons now. There you go then. Yes. <laughs> well, this uh, particular... She can ask Alexa. Oh, well, there you double go. <laughs> so that's the other text. I either get text with the podcast or your father asked Alexa to play fart sounds. Gross, <laughs> vomiting face. And I'm like, oh, that was a good choice to get you guys that. <laughs> Oh, well, this beverage is, um, it is a cranberry vodka with a little splash of orange juice, um, a little tiny, tiny bit of simple syrup, only because I also wanted to top it with a little bit of soda water so it wasn't super orange juice heavy, and then a sprinkling of cinnamon. It's tasty. Yeah, I'm kind of actually pretty proud of it, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't really know what it would taste like until I made it, and I like it. It's fruity, it's refreshing, the cinnamon gives a nice little spice, it makes me think of fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. Um, also, because I was thinking about it, I like that this could easily be made into a mocktail. If you just got some like cranberry sparkling water and orange juice and cinnamon. Because when I was a little kid, I used to drink orange juice with sparkling water. I was a weird kid. I used to drink orange <laughs> juice with lemonade. It. But I also don't like mocktails. TBH. I think that they have. It's the- like decaf coffee. What's the point? Well, no, they have their purpose, I think. I think they have their purpose. Not for me, but for someone. Love that for someone else. Yeah, no, exactly. I just, I like the flexibility of it is what I mean. I'm trying not to yuck anyone's yum. Please don't yuck anybody's yum. Not today. Not Not today. I'm trying to be better about not yucking people's yum and not being such a hater, but it's just hard because 
I'm such a hater. I have no words. <laughs> At least it's usually like me hating on like space or something yeah. very abstract. Yeah. Like I'm not. I mean, you're like you can hate one on a beverage. That's okay too. Okay, that's fine. Fuck my. Some people hate coffee. Not me. I don't. I love it. But some people hate everything. Yeah. So yes, that is our drink. I wanted to go a little fall, but you know. I, I was really trying not to do anything with cider because it was very, very tempting. But we had so many delicious ones that you made, and I didn't want to compete with your cider drinks because I can't. Don't come for my cider queen. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> so are you ready for a story? Yes. Tell me more. Tell <gasps> me more. Tell me more. What's your thing? That was pretty close, actually, I think, to that one time. Yeah. Yay. I think um, that one was tell me why. Tell me why. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you my sources first because I'm going to be a good, thorough person. And for this, I used Wikipedia, thefamouspeople.com, gangsterreport.com, history.com, modernman.com, the Atlantic, and dailymail.co.uk. You changed it up on the last one. I thought it was .com. I did. No. No. I went international, baby. Woo. International. So I've been saving this story for a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm super, this is a very complicated story. And I'm definitely not going to get to every bit of this person. Why'd you have to go make things so complicated? Is it Jimmy Hoffa? It's Jimmy Hoffa. I can't remember Uh, the next part to that Avril Lavigne song. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Frustrated. There we go. Something about frustrated. You go and you throw and you take and you break and turn it into... Jimmy Hoffa. There we go. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yes, this has to do with the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. I can't fucking wait because we talk about him all the time. Mm-hmm. I really don't know that much about him for how much we talk about mm-hmm. him. So, um, Which also my cousin had a merch idea of, a, of putting Jimmy Hoffa on the spirit deer and putting that on a T-shirt. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So there is way more information that I couldn't even handle for this one. So I did try to condense it down. But... The disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa has had national attention for over 40 years. Uh, it's gone hot and then cold again multiple times. There's new stuff has that comes up. Yes and no. It's gone it yes and, and no and up and down and all around and inside out. All the things. Yes. <laughs> uh, so first, a little bit of history, though, because, you know, start at the beginning. Yes. Uh, he was born February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1913. Uh, he disappeared July 30th of 1975. And I thought it was in the 50s. No, no, no. It was in the it was We're 75. showing how little I know about Jimmy Hoffa for how many references I make. <laughs> it was 75, and he was declared dead on July 30th, 1982. So they waited for him to be uh, officially. Seven years is the limit. Yes, exactly. So his life started in Indiana, but his father sadly passed away when he was about six or seven. There was a couple different versions I saw. He had three siblings, and a few years later, in 1924, his family moved to the bustling city of Detroit in an attempt to make more money because there was more going on here. Uh, Jimmy left school when he was 14 to work and help support his family. So he's supporting his family working, and in 1929, he uh, you have to remember that the stock market crashed. About to crash. Yes. Uh, and it affected the nation, uh, but had a, a lot of really extra hard things for Detroit because Detroit was kind of newer. So it really, really, really affected Detroit. So his first job was at Kroger unloading crates for docks and trains. Again, the information on this, I read various kinds of sources. So I'm not sure exactly where it was. Uh, And when he was 19, he organized his first workers' strike. Yeah. So he got his first glimpse at not necessarily making working conditions better for workers, but using leverage to make more money for workers. 
Okay. Kind of under the guise of also better work conditions, but really with the the whole idea of getting everybody paid better. Right. Um, it's like a quick end. Like, it's nice that they have the gumball machine, but I'd really like a dental plan. Yeah, exactly. So the Teamsters took notice of his efforts, and in 1932, he was invi- invited to join organized efforts for the local 299 Teamsters in Detroit. So he was pretty young at this point, and when he started, they had 75,000 members in 1933, but by 1936, their numbers had risen to 170,000. So almost, shit. Yeah, almost 100,000 extra people in three years. That's a lot. Yeah. So this included organized truck drivers and warehouse uh, workers, um, or as I like to call it, the perfect cocktail network for organizing crime, as Ooh. many trucker unions were already largely part under the influence of gangsters. Because how do you move stuff? Truckers. Yeah. I get a lot of and ads how do you load stuff? Warehouse workers. Truckers. What? I get a lot of ads to, to ask me if I want to talk to truckers. I'm like, no, I'm good. Oh, that's interesting. I'm very interested in your research history Sorry. now. <laughs> what you looking up there? Uh, so, anyway. Yeah, that'll probably get cut. No, please don't. <laughs> uh, in that same year, 1936, he married Josephine. Pazwiak? Paziwak? I I'm Karen D. Karen D. Uh, in Bowling Green, Ohio. They had two children named uh, Barbara Ann Crancer and James P. Hoffa. So Jimmy Jr. They settled in northwest Detroit. Jimmy 19- J. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't even know what you just said. I said Jimmy J. Oh yes, Jimmy J. Except it was Jimmy P. But they settled in Northwest Detroit in 1939 and later moved to Orion Township or Ryan. How do you Lake or Lake or Orion, Orion Orion Township? I know Michigan things. I swear. It's hard because like Orion. It's hard Orion's, for some people. Well, no, it's like there's Orion spelled Lake Orion. <laughs> That's what actually that was the exact problem yeah. I just had. Um, so by 1946, he had risen to be president of the local 299 Teamsters. His rise in the Detroit Union was noticed, and then he rose to levels of power at the national level, taking on the role of vice president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters in 1952 and rising to president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters from 1957-58-ish to 1971. Quick question. Yes. International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Yes. It's, What's a teamster? A, a, or a union organization. Like a okay. Yeah. There were different factions of people involved in it, but it is like a type of union organization. Okay. All right. Um, it's not necessarily every union's in it, but a, some industries that unionize are part of that particular union. Does that make sense? Yes. I am not an expert, so don't ask me any harder questions than that because that's about all I got. Okay, good. <laughs> so um, in 1961, Robert Kennedy, who was attorney general at this point in time, headed out for Hoffa, putting together a group of, group of investigators and prosecutors to, quote unquote, get Hoffa. So there was some shady business going on basically with the Teamsters, but like the government didn't really have enough to do anything about it. So in 1964... Um, he had organized almost all the national road truck drivers mm. uh, under a single national master freight agreement, but struggled to get airlines and other means of transportation on board. Again, transportation is very useful. Uh, the same year he was convicted of tampering, attempted bribery, and fraud by a jury in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And Allegedly. Just kidding. But for real. Yeah. <laughs> and sentenced to eight years in prison. So later that year, he was convicted of fraud again, but at this time, the trial was in Chicago. So these are two separate trials. 
so he received another five years on his sentence. So now we're up to a 13-year sentence. He spent the next three years unsuccessfully appealing the convictions, and by 1967, he began serving his 13-year sentence in Pennsylvania's Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary. So again, it took him like forever just to even start his 13-year sentence because trials are crazy, y'all. Yeah. Oof. Uh, so by mid-1971, he was forced to resign as president of the union. Uh, but he also had, well, he had to do that because he got a pardon deal from President Nixon that he would be released, but he'd be barred from union activities until 1980. So they were like, you know what? You don't have to serve the rest of your sentence, but you can't do this Teamster shit anymore. Please stop it. Okay. Until 1980. So he was kind of like upset about that because at this point that was like. That was his life. Yeah. Like. This is what he did. So he was not pleased with the second part, and, but he did receive a $1.7 million pension fund in one lump sum from the Teamsters. Okay. That's nice. Yeah. He then turned around and sued, claiming that this deal was depriving him of his rights by not being able to be involved. Uh, but the White House denied this. So Jimmy returned to Detroit to begin his efforts at the local level again. I, like, get it, but also, like, I'll take the money and run. Yeah, exactly. But, like, that's me. So, on Wednesday, July 20th in 1975, he disappeared from the parking lot of Maccus Red Fox in Bloomfield Township, which actually closed down in 1996 and is now a location of an Andiamos. Hey. Oh. It was a very swanky, well-known restaurant. The disappearance actually had a positive effect on the restaurant and probably piqued many people's curiosity, so it actually kind of worked out well for them for a while. So he was supposed to originally meet there with two mafia leaders associated with the IBT, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, Anthony Giacalone and Anthony Provenzano. That's sort of as Italian sounding. I'm sorry. I went Anthony for it. Provolone and the other guy. And um, G- uh, Giordano. Yep. Gardetto. Gardetto. <laughs> yes. Uh, Provenzano, a notorious and well-known New Jersey teamster, and Hoffa had once been very, very close friends. And he had even been the vice president of IBT during Hoffa's second term. At this point, they had grown to be enemies, though. So I get the feeling a lot of people weren't very happy about that $1.7 million pension or that Hoffa had any power over the IBT's money. I can't think you're going to say IBS, and that's way different. It's way different. Way I mean, different. both of them make things not feel good. True. So, um, but Provenzano had even threatened to pull out um, Hoffa's guts and kidnap or hurt his granddaughter. So Hoffa called him crazy, as one does, because those are crazy things to do. And this had all happened after Hoffa had requested to return to his role of power in IBT. So he wanted to go back to being the, the Teamsters president. Mm-hmm. And that had been denied because they didn't want him back. Well, some of the, the power people in power didn't want him back. So around this time, the mafia made several attempts to get rid of Hoffa. And Hoffa kind of knew that that was going on a little bit. So the other guy, Giacalone, and his brother, younger brother, Vito, had unexpectedly visited Hoffa's Lake Orion. I did it this time. There you go. Uh, cottage several times to talk with Hoffa about a peace meeting with Provenzano after things had gotten to this point. So it was supposed to be arranged to be like, let's take care of this, but like get it Quietly. done. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the actual timeline though. So 1.15 p.m., Hoffa left his house in um, a green Pontiac Granville. On the way to the meeting, he stopped in Pontiac to see his close friend and also his buffer. So basically this his friend who would set up meetings and stuff for him, yeah. his 
secretary friend. I don't know. So if you want to talk to Hafi, talk to him first. Louis Linto. Linto was the former president of the Teamsters Local 614 in Pontiac and was currently running an airport limousine service. Oh. And he had also been the one to officially set up the meeting that Hoffa was going to that day. So when Hoffa stopped at his place of business, he was out at lunch, though. So Hoffa left him a message basically like, hey, I'm going to the thing. I stopped by. Yeah. 2.15. Hoffa stopped to call his wife from a payphone in front of Damon Hardware. I don't know if they're around anymore. They they, they were a hardware store, though. I, don't, I haven't I don't seen one in years. Um, I haven't I seen one in years. So I don't know. Uh, so he was reported to have said to his wife... Where the hell is Tony G. Colone? I'm being stood up. At which point his wife told him that she hadn't heard from anyone and he told her he'd be home by about 4 p.m. Around this time, witnesses claimed to have seen him pacing the Red Fox parking lot. Two even spoke to him briefly and shook his hand before they departed. So 3.27 p.m., Hoffa called Linto, the friend with the limousine, complaining of G. Colone's absence, stating that, That dirty son of a bitch, Tony Jack, set this meeting up and he's an hour and a half late. Linto urged him to calm down and instructed him to stop by his office on his way home. Hoffa agreed, hung up the phone, and was never heard from again. Mm -hmm. So the next day, 7 a.m., Hoffa's wife, a little worried, called her son and daughter over, letting him know them know that he had not come home. Their daughter was headed over to the house, was distracted by a vision of her father in which she was sure he was already dead. She saw his body slumped over in a dark-colored short-sleeved polo shirt. So 7.20, so about not too much after this, Linto went to Maccus Red Fox and found Hoffa's unlocked car in the lot, but no indication of what had happened. So there was nothing that showed yeah. a struggle or anything like that. He called the police. The state arrived and notified the FBI. A missing persons report was then filed. So the investigation never concluded with any definite anything and basically remains open to this day after decades of effort. Every time it heats up, it goes cold. Giacalone and Provenzano denied having a meeting even scheduled with Hoffa, and neither were anywhere near the restaurant at the time of his disappearance. Um, there was a truck driver who claimed to see Hoffa in a maroon 1975 Mercury Marquis uh, that almost hit his truck upon leaving the restaurant. My grandpa had a Marquis. Was it? Uh, it was beige. Maroon? <laughs> oh. It was beige. Uh, he said Hoffa was sitting in the back seat with another passenger and a long-covered object in between them that he believed was a weapon. July 30th of 1982, he was officially declared dead, as I mentioned earlier, so seven years later. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is going to jump around a little bit. I try to put it as much into – it's going to jump around a little bit. Yeah. There are so many times they've looked for him and so many theories, and some of them have been looked into and some of them haven't, so they're, like, all over the place. So 1989, Kenneth Walton, who was head of the Detroit FBI office, told Detroit News, I'm comfortable. I know who did it. But it's never going to be prosecuted because – we would have to divulge informants and confidential sources. So basically, Ooh. this guy from the FBI said, we got all the information we need, but it would like, we can't really divulge it because if we do that, we're going to lose all the sources. Yeah. So that's kind of crazy. Um, now we're going to go to all the possibilities. So an early theory actually has his body going to Gardenia, California. Uh, it, Hoffa was rumored to be involved with a Gardenia Dina Gardenia, businessman that went pretty bad. He was thought to be buried in the foundation of a nearby poker club and restaurant owned by that particular man. This property was later bought by Larry Flint. So, yes, the penthouse, Larry Flint. Um, he's like, um, who's that other one with the bunnies? 
Hugh Hefner? Yeah, except he owns the Penthouse magazine. I mean, he's not oh. like him. Like, he's different, but, like, he's owner the owner of, of Penthouse magazine. Owner of yeah. magazine. I only know because there was that one movie a million years ago with What's His Place, and it was The People versus Larry Flint, and there was commercials for it. Ooh. And it was that guy who's a good actor, but I can't remember his name right now. Robert De Niro. It's not him. But we'll talk about Robert De Niro later in this, actually. Um, it's going to come to me. Woody Harrelson? It might be Woody Harrelson. Yep. I think so. Anyway. Okay. Um, so they uh, excavated that space. And they opened it in 2000 as a casino, but nothing was found. So it's kind of debunked a little bit. 1982, Florida Everglades. Uh, mob hitman Charles Allen claimed to know exactly where Hoffa's body was. He testified before the U.S. Senate committee that was investigating Provenzano and other organized crime leaders at that time. He stated that Hoffa, oh, I'm sorry, the internet tried happening on my computer. He stated that Hoffa <laughs> had been shot and killed shortly after disappearing. Then his body was put into a large steel drum and transported to Florida to be dumped into the swamps. His credibility was questioned heavily after he was placed on witness protection, yet still continued to talk to the press. Come on. Yeah. So that was one thing. So 1989, a New York Times article reported that an ex-Hoffa strong uh, arm says that two feds abducted Hoffa, took him on a small plane, and pushed him into one of the Great Lakes. <sighs> Probably wearing some cement shoes or something. That's like a thing. for cement shoes, you know what I mean? Um... Self-proclaimed Detroit mob expert Scott Bernstein believes he was incarcerated. Is he or, one of the Bernstein brothers? I don't think he is, but it is, is spelled. He a Bernstein bear. It is. <laughs> it's not spelled like the lawyer Bernsteins, but it is spelled like the Purple Gang Bernsteins. I will Ooh. say that, but I don't know because it didn't say. Um, believes he was incinerated at a mob-owned fat rendering facility. This plant mysteriously burned down shortly after the disappearance. Got too hot. And fatty. <laughs> Hot and fitty. <laughs> um, like a donut. Delish. Another rumor states that he was strangled by Provenzano, driven 16 miles to Inkster, and put through a wood chipper. I wrote very like Fargo. I just wrote very Fargo of them. Yes. <laughs> Steve Buscemi. Um, let me just randomly list people who are not in Fargo. Uh, <laughs> so wasn't, he wasn't in Steve Buscemi, wasn't he? In Fargo? Wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. I, I know. Who, people who weren't No, 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 no. I saw Let me just list people who were randomly, who, who were. I, that was my next one. And then actually after that, I forget actors' names. I can't remember. Was Defoe? Willem Defoe? Yes, Willem Defoe. Defoe, Defoe, Defoe. Um, so something he was buried under Ford Field or uh, a home in Queens, New York, owned by a mobster. Uh, June of 2006, uh, the Detroit Free Press published a 56-page report the FBI prepared oh for. God. I know for a 1976 a briefing. <laughs> it was called the Hoffix Memo. Thanks. Yeah, um, it stated that it was believed that he was murdered by organized crime figures who thought Hoffa's efforts to return to power threatened their control of union pension funds. Uh-huh. So that 1.7 million wasn't too great. 2006. This one I remember this because I am. I grew up near this, uh, and I remember seeing this on the news in Milford, Michigan. After a promising lead, there was a two-week dig at a horse farm, and they think it might have been the first shallow grave his body was put in before being moved elsewhere. The dig cost $250,000. Uh, 2009, there was a book, The Iceman Confessions of a Contract Killer. 
uh, came out by Philip Carlo demonstrates that another person claimed to know the fate of Hoffa, another, you know, random mob yeah. guy. He claimed Hoffa's body was placed in a 50-gallon drum, set on fire for half an hour, and then buried in a junkyard. An accomplice started to talk with Fed, so the drum was dug up and driven to a steel yard and compacted into a four by two foot rectangular prism and sold as scrap metal, which was then shipped to Japan to make cars, which would be very ironic for a man who ran unions, which is usually for American workers and not Japanese cars. Now he's in a Daihatsu. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Yet another mob man named Donald Tony the Giant Francos in 1989, a Playboy issue was interviewed and he said that he was buried under Giant Stadium in New Jersey by wise guys after being killed and dismembered. Supposedly they buried parts of him near the 50-yard line inside Section 107 and under a mysterious bump on the 10-yard line as the stadium had been under construction at the time of his disappearance. But Mythbusters busted this in Season 1. There's no disturbances under the soil when they surveyed it, and that stadium was demolished in 2010. Another theory, again, there's so many, and I'm so sorry, but I I think they're all really weird and interesting because they're all... I, there's so many. Another theory states he was disposed in a landfill, landfill, not a landfill, near the Hackensack River. I like that word, Hackensack. Hackensack. Also in a 50-gallon drum. There is a 50-gallon drum kind of theme throughout a lot of these, but search was inconclusive. Uh, 2012, Roseville. Police took samples from underneath the suburban driveway. Sonar had revealed abnormalities in the soil, but an MSU anthropologist found no signs of human remains. This fo- home used to belong to Tony G. Colone. And he was also seen around that time staying up very late, mixing concrete for his driveway around the time Hoffa went missing. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, January 2013, Tony Zerilli, another gangster, implied Hoffa was originally buried in a shallow grave in northern Oakland County with plans to be moved later, but the plans fell through. He denied any involvement of the disappearance. In June 17, 2013, this led to a, a dig on the property of formerly a property formerly owned by Detroit mob boss Jack Toko. After two days, no results. The dig was called off. 2017, James Bucoletto, a professor of criminology and crime uh, criminal justice, suggested that he was probably murdered one mile from the restaurant in the home of Carlo Licata, and suggested he was then taken to a mafia-owned crematorium in Detroit. Uh, FBI named Tony Andretta who died in 2019, and his brother, Stephen, who died in 2000 as suspects. Both were New Jersey Teamsters and mob associates. Neither agreed to ever comment on the case. I don't know nothing about nothing. Exactly. April 2019, Michael Francis claimed to know the location uh, and the shooter in an interview. He said he was 100%, it was 100% mafia-related murder, and it came out of instructions from York. When asked, he said, I can tell you the body is very wet, and the shooter is still alive today but currently in prison. Is it Felicity Huffman? (laughs) Um, She's been in prison. She's going to be in prison for 14 days. Really? Yeah. Why? College admission scandal. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 2013, Hampton, Michigan, investigators dug up a backyard pool in search for evidence. They were looking for a briefcase that had syringes and pharmaceuticals, but only found dirt. So everybody like, Wants to make something up, basically. Yeah. 2001, the FBI matched DNA from Hoffa's hair, which was taken from a hairbrush, with a strand found in the Mercury Marquis, uh, the probably a maroon one, driven by his friend Charles Chucky O'Brien, which was also his adopted son. Mm. Mm-hmm. Things had become tense months before he, uh, this, though, when Hoffa refused to back O'Brien's bid for an administrative position at the local 299, and O'Brien claimed that Hoffa had become an FBI informant. 
Oddly enough, this car had previously belonged to Tony Jacks, G. Colone's youngest son. Ooh. Dogs were able to sniff out Hoffa's scent in both the back seat and the trunk of this car. Side note, he had moved here when his mom began dating Frankie Three Fingers Coppola, um, oh, Motor no. City mob boss. So that's where this guy, um, O'Brien, came from. And then his mom also dated Hoffa and G. Colone. There's too many connections yep. here. And he lived with Hoffa and his wife and his other kids for quite some time. Yikes. This one sounds, that one sounds very plausible, by the way. Yeah. Anyway, 2004, a book called I Hear You Paint Houses, Frank the Irishman Sheeran, and the closing of the case on Jimmy Hoffa by Charles Brandy came out. This book highlights how Frank Sheeran, a professional killer for the mob, confessed to assassinating him. Frank passed away in 2003, so this theory only lives uh, is in the story. The Irishman complaint uh, claims that O'Brien drove himself, Hoffa, and Sal Bergoglio. Sure. Yep. I'm trying, I swear, to a house in Detroit. O'Brien uh, and Hoffa, or, I'm sorry, O'Brien and Bergoglio drove off and Sheeran took Hoffa into the house where he says he shot Hoffa twice behind the right ear. He was told after that Hoffa was cremated. So in 2004, the former home of Frank the Irishman, Sheeran, they found blood under his floorboards, but it didn't match Hoffa's. However, such tiny samples of genetic material degraded over years would most likely not provide enough information for a match anyway. So there's blood. It might be his. So just to kind of wrap it up, the IBT, so not IBS, yes. IBT, is ran by Hoffa's son, James, and Still? has been, yep, has been since 1999. Now represents 1.4 million workers. Uh, Tony Provenzano died in 1988 in California, and Tony Giacolone died in 2001 in Detroit. Frank the Irishman Sheeran died in 2003 in Philly, and I could not find if O'Brien, the the adopted son, is alive or not. For some reason, I had a hard time with that one. Uh, but this, I didn't even know this was happening until I got deep into this story. But have you heard of the film The Irishman coming out? Maybe. Oh, it's going to be so good. I think it's coming out on Netflix uh, in the fall sometime, like the late fall. And it stars, um, it's a Martin Scorsese film. And it's going to star Robert De Niro playing Frank the Irishman Sheeran. Uh, Al Pacino will be Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, And there were some other big names in it that I can't remember right now. But like it, it was just a real nice lineup of really good actors. And it's going to be a Scorsese thing. It's a Netflix film so it's going i think straight to netflix which is kind of amazing but it, watch the preview for it because it looks really good yeah like super excited excited about that love a good netflix movie mm-hmm. um do you want to hear my theory about Hoffa? yes tell me about your what, theory so what did what year did law and order start bum bum I, think that, I have no answer, so I'm just going to make the Law and Order noise I think because that that's where I'm at right now. He was the dead body in every episode of Law and Order. Oh, maybe. I mean, that would save on production value. But I mean, they, or production expense. But then the body got too old, so they launched it into space, and that's why they couldn't do the Alpha Female space mission because one of the spacesuits went to Jimmy Hoffa. This is involved. Yeah, and so now Jimmy Hoffa's in space. All right. On the deer. I'm into it. Riding into the sunset. I'm into that. Yeah. 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 That's my theory. Just a theory, not facts. <laughs> Just uh, from the, none of the research I've done, that is my From none of the research. <laughs> Aw. No, but actually after doing this, like, 
I think I think it I think it was that Irish man situation. Yeah. I do. There's no proof. Although I want him to be in a Japanese car. Yeah. I want that to be the thing, but I don't think it is. Maybe someday maybe like after fifty years the FBI will be like, all right, we can release this now because the ones everyone dead are like nobody I, cares anymore. I don't know though, because then there's like the kids and the family. You know what I mean? Like this stuff like like it doesn't just go away because it's like lineage. I feel like it would take like hundreds of years for it to like dissipate in a certain way. Maybe. Because you're talking about like um like organized groups and like government. You know what I mean? Like True. there's just like a lot going on there. Yeah. I don't, I don't I know very little about most of it, but like there's a lot going on there. There is. Yeah. And I'm glad I know more now. Yeah. I, now when I make Jimmy Hoffa jokes. You can talk about the 77 places he might be buried. Right. Or compacted or cremated. I'm going to dig up my backyard just to check. You you should, everybody, you know what? Everybody do your duty. Yeah. Dig up your whole backyard, please. And then, find out if Hoffa's there. And let us know. And let us know. Yes. And then we'll let the proper people know yes. if he's there. If he's not there, we probably won't say anything, but... If you find him, we're going to tell other people. And like worst case scenario, maybe you'll find some cool stuff. Yeah, like treasure. treasure, Or like really cool hat. Or a time capsule. Ooh, that's more likely than <laughs> I really. But there's a really cool hat in the time capsule. Oh, even and treasure. Yes. All the things in the time capsule. Is the hat the treasure because it's so cool? No. Okay. okay. <laughs> I want actual treasure. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I want like a doubloon. Just a single Just doubloon. one doubloon. It's a time capsule with one doubloon <laughs> yep. and a hat. Yep. A cool hat. And no more. Yes. <laughs> that would be perfect. The mystery of Jimmy Hoffa is not solved, but it's more known to me now. Mm-hmm. So thank you. You're welcome. Again, I kind of had fun and I was excited to share it. Yeah. I actually started because, uh, oh, if you if you are around, my uh, the sketch show that I I was one of the writers on is opening November eighth. It's called Digging for Hoffa. Yeah, which is like what started me down this road because we were like, Trying I was doing some research for a thing that yeah. didn't actually pan out for it, but like, then I was like, ooh, this is interesting, and I'm into this. Yes. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm excited for that too. Not but fun I was excited for, uh, for Hoffa. Hoffa. No, no, not fun for him at all. No. Probably the least amount of fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm dancing now. Nobody can see me dancing except for the people in the studio, but I'm going to do it anyway. Do it anyway. We're appreciating it. Um, are you ready for your two truths and a lie? I am. So I was originally going to do some Halloween two truths and a lie, but I like about like Halloween music mm-hmm. because I figured out this fun fact about um, the monster mash that I was trying to work into a two truths and a lie. But basically, the um, Monster Mash was originally banned by the BBC for 11 years. Whoa. That's crazy. It was too morbid, they said. (laughs) So for the first 11 years of the Monster Mash, it was banned by the BBC because it's like, oh, it's too morbid. It's too morbid. So instead, I did um, Disney movies. Because oh, Disney yes. Plus, we talked about it's coming out. And so Disney, in preparation, has been tweeting all these movies that everyone forgot about. Now, are we, I was going to say, are we talking old? Are we talking new? Are we spanning the whole, like, whatever? Literally you know, all of Disney. 75 years or whatever? So I'm going to read you okay. three titles no and, like, three, like, 90. brief descriptions. And you're going to tell me which one's false. Wait, you're going to tell me the title? These are obscure ones. You're going to tell me the title. Under- the okay, title, I've got a it. Brief description. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so the first movie is called Perry with an I. 
And it's a pine squirrel encounters many different forest creatures, both friendly and dangerous, as it grows up. Okay. Movie two. Those Callaways. When the Canadian geese are threatened by hunters in a remote Vermont community, Cam Calloway constructs a safe house for them near a large pond. Okay. The last one. Friend of the butterfly. Lonely boy learns that he can communicate with butterflies, and they teach him important lessons about life. I'm pretty sure number two is a movie because I feel like I've seen the cover for that one before. For those Calloways. Yes, for those Calloways. Um, so it was Perry with an eye and then the friend of the butterfly? Yeah. And what was the premise of Perry with an eye? A pine squirrel encounters many different forest creatures, both friendly and dangerous, as it grows up. I feel like that's just Bambi squirrel. Oh, I'm going to say number one's the one that's not it. That that's the lie nope that is a real movie dang it dang it it came out in the 50s i think the fake which do you want to guess what the fake one is well i think it's number three yeah it's that one i made it up i use the name generators to figure out like a title i'm like all right how can i that was smart you're so good at these teachers and i'm gonna get better i'm getting better i'm going to be better i felt pretty good about this one but here's a couple other honorable mentions from this list yes there's one called the computer wore tennis shoes (laughs) students from a cash-strapped college in need of computer commits businessman A.J. Arno to donate one. When it needs to be repaired, student Dexter Riley fixes it during an electrical storm and receives a shock. Suddenly, the computer brain is fused with his, and he's a genius. Oh, my. That was, I think, the 60s. And then Justin Morgan had a horse. That's so very specific. That's the title of the, na- that's the, title of the movie. Wow. A colonial- Good for Justin Morgan. Justin Morgan had a horse. A colonial school teacher, I'm guessing Justin Morgan, acquires a colt that became the foundation sire of a versatile Morgan horse breed. I'm so happy for him right, and his just, horse breed. Uh, uh, that good, good for <laughs> Justin Morgan and his horses. And... Darby O'Grill and the Little People. These are just titles now from the. This okay. is from a BuzzFeed yeah. article at this point. The Ugly Dash Hound. Aww. The Barefoot Executive, not related to Barefoot Contessa. Aww. Which I've realized I've ended my vendetta against her because I think she's now a gay icon, so I have no choice but to stand. You had a vendetta against her? I love her. I mean, she's uh, like. Just because she's like. Would be like she's uh, unrealistic. You can't give vanilla beans from Madagascar. Yeah. Store bought's just fine. I was going to say, she's unrealistic and doesn't understand what it is like to be a normal human, but I still enjoy her. Uh, I, I would go to her dinner party with her and Jeffrey any day. Uh, there's just a couple memes recently that I'm like, uh, I have no choice but to stand. Mm-hmm. There's one where she was wearing a witch's hat. She's like, if you can't fire the flames from hell yourself, Storbot's just fine. <laughs> I love it. See? Yeah. And yeah. there was one with like tops and bottoms and, for and sandwiches. Oh, perfect. You oh. got to embrace the contest. Here's the, uh, the million dollar duck. <laughs> the biscuit eater. No. Yeah. Is that about um, the Alhambra lady? It no, it's about a, it looks like a dog. Oh. A dog and an old-timey couple. I mean, who doesn't like a biscuit? One just called Gus. The horse with the helmet. <laughs> Gus. <laughs> and I think it's that. Oh, the cat from outer space. That one I've heard of. I've never seen any of any of those, but I remember hearing of that before. First book. Yes. Operation Dumbo Drop. And that, that's it. That's the. I'm not. Okay, that's not. 
you know, I am old and I remember when that was actually out. The Dumbo Drop one? Yes, let's not make fun of that. That one's not that old. I think it was late 80s. Exactly. It I just looks sort of no, 95, 95. There we go. Yes, I don't remember why, but it was about people at war and then there was an elephant let's there drop for some reason, but war. I don't remember. Peta, where were you on that one? Oh. Dropping animals into war. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Mm. Well, I guess that kind of wraps it up. Yeah. Yeah. Wraps it up. Uh, any any quick plugs or anything? Our live show on Thursday. Yes, please come. Be there. Um, Ant Hall, 7 p.m. What? Ant Hall, 7 p.m. I'm just Ant giving Hall, where it actually is. Be there. And if you forget, you can look this up on our social media. Yes, at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter. And also uh, Detroit Strange on Facebook. If you want to email us Detroit. at Detroit Strange, or Detroit Strange at gmail.com. Yes, all those words. Which I got an email from it. Like, oh, our first email, but that was, from, it was from like an advertiser thing. It, was just, it, wasn't a good, it wasn't like a real person email. It was an oh. automated email. We, we would love a real person email. Just, you know, send us just whatever love. you got. Yeah. Yeah, just. Talk with us, chat with us. It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, Also, make sure you check out other podcasts on the Planet Ant Network. There's so many podcasts on the network. There's one for everyone. Find yours today. Hopefully, it's this one, but you could listen to other ones too. We don't mind. Yeah, please listen to this one first and then go listen to other ones. Yes. (laughs) But anyway, Uh I think that's it. And so, until next time, stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Sax and Violence. 